Hallelujah. We thank God for this morning as we approach the noon time. If you don't mind, can you rise with me to read a scripture from Acts chapter 20 and verse 23 and 24. Acts chapter 20, 23 and 24. May we read together. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. In the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. Let's also look at Matthew 23 and verse 35. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, sorry. I'm talking about... Uh, the None of these things shall pass away. Not heaven and earth shall pass away. That's not Matthew 35. Please check it for me. I don't know. Please check it for me again. Heaven and earth shall pass away. That's when you do electronic checking. This is what happens sometimes. I had a, a machine, a computer check it out for me, and I don't know what happened there. Forgive me. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Give me that particular scripture. What? 2435. That's 2435. Okay. Let's read the scripture. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word is true. Your word does not change. We've just read that Apostle Paul saw He saw affliction, but he was not moved. I pray, O oh God, that whatever anybody is going through today, Past, present, or future will not move us. But let only your word move us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. This past few weeks have been very eventful in this nation. Amen. I want us to just bring our thoughts to the subject of what moves you. Ask your neighbor, what moves you? Sometimes you don't even want to put on the radio because there are too many things happening that can move you. Am I right or wrong? There's too much happening. And if you are not careful, the Bible says, and man's heart will fail for fear. If you watch 
things that are happening in the world, not only in Ghana, globally, you may easily be so moved, you will lose hope. Years ago, I met a friend who was born again, I believe. Maybe I don't know, but I believe. Hallelujah. Because sometimes you are not too sure when people say they are really born again. And I've shared her story before. And she told me how in her family, she thinks that God has not been fair to them. So after serving God for many years, she has given up the faith. She doesn't go to church. She lives in the States. She claps a lot. Goes to club, nightclub. These days you don't say disco. You say nightclub. You say club. She's into entertainment. She's, she's, she just lives a very worldly life. But this is somebody who could stand up with us in the prayer gardens when we were at the university in Kumasi for long hours, fasting, praying. But as she looked at herself, in my engagement with her, she, she made a point that when I look at my family setting, where I'm born naturally, and the things that have happened there, I don't think that we are on God's um, itinerary. So I don't think I want to serve the Lord. So that's why I'm asking, what moves you? We are in a generation that so many things, but the word of God moves people. Many people who say, I am born again, I'm a Christian, I know Jesus, are often moved by so many other things other than the Spirit of God, other than Jesus himself, other than the Word of God. That's why today we want to engage. What moves you? Ask your neighbor again, what moves you? When there is money in their pocket, they are moved. Pastor Bimpa was telling us a short while ago um, in the earlier service that some of the executives of the banks who had problems, their salaries are over $20,000 a month. If you convert, it's almost 100000 Ghana a month. We are not, I can't analyze or compare and do, you, it's a whole life savings, some of these whole life savings will not get there, but that's not the issue. So the question is, what move? What made? And yet they are born again. Some, some are even elders, workers, and all of that in kingdom, the kingdom business. The question is, what will move a man or a woman to do some of the things that have happened to us? So, being rich can move somebody, just as being poor can move somebody. Amen. I was trying to read about what generally moves human beings. And I, I tried to be a psychologist. 
I went into research a bit about what moves people to do the things they do. And I found out that there are three things. Number one, what you are born with in the natural, which they say is hereditary. Your behavior, my behavior is based on, or how I react to situations is based on, number one, what I am born with. And I'll explain that. Number two, the things around you. That is your environment. We are products of our environment. That's why the scripture says that be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because we are, we are affected by the things we see. The Bible says in, in the book of Peter, Second Peter 2, uh, uh, down somewhere there, he says that, And that righteous man, Lord, as he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, his heart was, was polluted. His attitude was polluted. Amen. So environments in the natural. And then the third thing is things that happen to you. So number one, the things you are born with, for example, if you are a a high IQ person, it's likely that when you go to school, you just walk through school, whether you learn or not. When people, you can fool around and you still get A's. And you may probably notch a very good scholarship and get to a very great school and then go on to get a a great profession and make good money. Or you, your IQ for, your acumen for business may be so smart, you may not even have so much education, but anything you touch, because you got, you see business opportunities, it's part of your, it's in your genes. It comes to you naturally. So you see, you hear stories of people 15 years, 20 years, they come up with great ideas. A few weeks ago, I was reading about a young lady in Los Angeles, I think she's 13 or 14, she's already a millionaire. Through some school projects, something she did, and she was invited by President Obama, and the people started investing in her business, and she's still going to school, and she's already a millionaire. So you can see that it's in the genes. Hallelujah. Our temperaments is part of things we are, we are born with, naturally. People know how, who decide to be calm about certain things, and people do everything they need it now or never. Amen. Then, there are things that happen around us. How we are nurtured. So a child raised up in, say, Choco, his attitude or her attitude towards life is different from a cantonment baby. These days you have people grow up to the age of university level. They have never seen and heard any place like Choco in Accra. It's very sad. We need to go. The youth, one of these days, we have to do a night tour of Accra. It will help. Because we will raise our children in cantonment, in East Legon, and all these places. They don't know that there is a life out there. Many years ago, I took one of our children around. I went to preach at a colleague on a lighthouse. And I said, I want, to see, I want you to see Accra proper at night. So I took them, him through Jamestown. Then I came through all the, where the people are lying in the corridor all over. Just to see. Because when you live in this Teshinungwa, East Legon, and all this, you don't see real Ghana. When you, in the night, you see where people, the room is choked. So they have to spend their life out there. Survival of the fittest. Then you understand why sometimes people are more aggressive. Why, why we have more boxes in Accra than any other place. 
Because you, it's like you live a life of self-defense. You have to survive. Amen. You are raised up to survive. Jile. Oh, Hallelujah. I remember when I was in Form 1, my domestic head, deputy head boy was a, an Accra an man, a strong man he was. And, he, and I wanted to report to him that somebody was trying to bully me, a Form 2 boy was trying to bully me. Look at your side. Look at him. Gila! <laughs> Face him! So, your, our environment, if you grow up in a certain environment, you see where you have to survive is a different culture. I was been telling my children, until I got married, I never knew how to eat in a place alone. In my environment that I grew up, my sister says she will confirm it. Boys in one, girls in one. Eight boys. Some of them macho, well built. And they were fast on the meat. So we have to devise strategies. One of the strategies was called kasubum. I don't know how many of you have eaten like that before. Kasubum means that when they give you the yam and the, contour, the, the stew, the, the gravy, the contumbria, whatever, palava sauce, because it's not adequate, the yam is plenty or the plantain is plenty. So when you take one piece of yam, you put it, you bite it, and you put it in the stew, you don't go into the stew again until your yam gets finished. Easy. Some of us, we never had, you never saw. Sister, is it true or is it not true? Before you start eating the food, we share the meat. Because we know that some people are too fast. Some people will put the meat under the fufu. And to avoid that, we share it. To protect the weak. Human rights. Hallelujah. So our environments, that, that, that made us so, living with people of different shades, and shapes. It's not strange. Look, ask her. When you travel in my family, when you travel to say Kumase house, or you are in Kumase, you go from Bant, uh, in Suntresu to Nishayesu, when you go and spend the holiday there, you say, the holiday up, you say, I'm not going home. Then the next day, the bar that, that pick up, which is taking the children to Sojalai school, they put you in it and they go and admit you to the school. You have closed the other school. Because that's how we, we grew up. You don't, you don't know your auntie and your uncle. You don't know that. Everybody is your father. Everybody is your mother. When you travel to Accra for Christmas holiday, in the middle of the school year, and you, you are living with your uncle, you just, the, the next day, the, the school has opened, you don't want to go. They just register you and you continue your school there. That's all. And sometimes they even change your name. They just go, they say, okay, they just write your name, papa, that's it. You don't look at your birth certificate, all these things. No, no, no. After common, my first time I look at my name, it's common entrance. If you go into my school records from primary one up to common entrance, every year my name was changed. Oh, yes. I won't tell you all the names. But every school I attended, they changed my name. That's how we grew up. So it makes you 
excessively communal. You don't have any limits. You are wearing the same clothes. Sometimes, even sometimes, they mix up. Amen. The point I'm making here is that we are products of our environments. In the natural. The homes we come from, the schools. But also we are products of situations. I'm learning over time to be very careful not to be too inquisitive about people's so-called private lives. Let's say if somebody's not married or I think that by 35 or 40 you should be married and I'm calculating, why are you not? Why? I'm, very, I'm learning over time to be careful. Because human beings are products of their situations. And sometimes they react and act based on the things they have been through. And when, when you have not been through things people have been through, you can misjudge them, misconstrue them. Amen. Like I said, when they become rich, they react differently. When they become poor, they react differently. But you see, for you and I as believers, the common yardstick is not whether I am, my, my environment is a gun language or tree or fanti or hausa or wherever, that environment and the culture over there. There is something called the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And when you are born into that kingdom, it has its natural traits. It has its environmental traits. It has its situational traits. The problem we are having among many believers is that we like to carry on the traits of the world system, the genes of the world system into the kingdom. Hallelujah. It's true that some of these things are not easy to change, to adopt. But you see, that's why God in his wisdom provided in his word that yes, it's not easy to change. For example, if somebody's IQ is high, or somebody is, 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 is a choleric. It's not easy. But there is a super character trait. Or there is a gene which is more powerful or a superior one. Hallelujah. To that even which pertains. Amen. You see, do you know that, Madam Scientist and Co., you know, you, you say that some cells are more powerful more dominant than others, even in the natural. People always ask me, why are your children or your wife are sticking your wife, your, 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 or your color, her color? Because I believe it is known that the, the Caucasian thing is, is stronger. It's very rare to find anybody who is, who is got Caucasian blood and the, the color is not more that way. Though historically it shouldn't be so, or scientifically it shouldn't be so. I don't want to go into the, all of that. But yet still, we know that there are more dominant cells in human beings. So it is in the spirit. Even though we may be naturally uh, 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 born with certain 
uh, things, certain traits in the spiritual realm, the, the genes of the spiritual realm override and overrule those so-called natural things. Are you getting me? Don't sit and say, as for us, this is how we are. As for me, this is how I am. Because there is something God has put in your new birth which makes you able to override that setback or that nature which doesn't please and honor God. Say amen. That's why I asked at the beginning, what moves you? Is it that gene which doesn't please God? Because many of the things that we have in that old system, even though it's naturally gifted to us, many ways it doesn't please God. Because the natural man cannot please God. The natural man is the gene that you are naturally born. Even though some of it looks like it's good. Some of it looks like it's positive. Some of it gives you good smartness. It makes you fine in many ways. Maybe you, it makes you look handsome. And people like you. Or beautiful. And people like you. But there is some super, something better in the new birth. Which should make people like you. People should not like you because you are physically attractive, naturally. That you look like a Miss World or Mr. Ghana. Hallelujah. The, Peter says that, that, that people would appreciate us not because of the beauty of our jewelry that we buy, naturally created, but of course of an inner beauty that is given to us by the new man. Hallelujah. What moves you? Are you moved by your natural beauty instincts? Your, 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 your environment languages that you have learned, your good, your, your oratory, your this, your skills in, in math, your skills in, in finances, your skills in management, your skills in whatever. That's something you pick from the environment because you went to school A or school B. Because you went through a certain male of training. So it makes you feel good. But there is a superior quality trait that I'm bringing to your doorstep this afternoon. Say amen. And I want us to begin to appreciate the superior quality traits that the new birth brings to us. Amen. So that men will see that those traits more. Now let's look at, for example, our spiritual hereditary things that we have. When we say somebody is born again, there are many things that naturally have taken place. Just as when you see somebody is born into the world, naturally you inherit from your parents, as I said, you have genes, you have IQs, you have looks, you have temperaments, which you get from your parents. Now, when you are born of God, what are the natural traits that come from God? What are the genes, what are the temperaments, what are the things, the values that God naturally imbibes to you and I? That I, because I'm born of God, different from what I can do, forget about what you can do. It's because of what you have that you can do what you can do. The scripture says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, it means that the overcoming gene is in you. The overcome, first, first John 5, 4. The overcoming gene is in you. Isn't that so? Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not appear yet what we shall be. 
But when he appears, you will be like him. The character, the image of God is in me. Then in that same chapter 3 of 1 John, he goes on to say that whosoever is born of God cannot continue to sin. The anti-sin gene is in me, it's in you. It's not only in the bishop or the pastor. There is a gene in you. There is a natural thing you have inherited, and I have inherited, because I am born of God. Because you are born of God, you have been given a gene. God put a gene. And that gene is stronger than the old man whose gene was to sin. The old man who is dependent on how handsome he was. Or he is. Or how beautiful she is. Who is obsessed with that. So, so you know, you cease to be moved by your beauty. Your physical attractiveness means nothing to you. But your, your focus now is on how internally God sees me, how I see myself in God. Are you getting where I'm coming from? What moves you? Then they will so. Then they pursue. Then they can now. So many of us are in state of depression because in the natural it's as if we didn't score well. People don't score as well in the natural. Systems of the world will not, may not score you well because in the natural, if you look, you will see that many of the things that people call defects, they are in your genes. Health-wise, it's in your genes. Facially, it's in your genes. Attitudinally, it's in your genes. Things, the, the things that the world clamors for and wants, you know, when you read Mills and Booms, and you are a young lady, the world has a description of a woman, of a man, that is the man. I'm not sure some of us qualify. We call something hunk. Then they, 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 they have blonde women hair. And they have this. These are all things that come naturally. Now, the point I'm making here is that now, we no longer look at that. When you are born of God, that is not the significant thing in you. The gene that says your hair is, is silky, silver, beautiful hair, that is Blondie, so so and so, with blue eyes. All of those things, you have the equivalent in the spiritual realm. The equivalent is what John is talking about. The, 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 the ability to resist sin. The ability to overcome trying situations. The, the ability to overcome the world. It is a gene that he has put in you and he has put in me. He hasn't put in just a few people. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes even our faith. When faith is applied, when you, you accept it, that this is how God has made me, then you are on the path to manifesting, glorifying the beauty that God is talking about. But if we think as natural men, we are not able to see the beauty of God in us. Say amen. There is a certain ability, there's a certain nature of God 
He says in Ephesians 2, he says, we are his workmanship. This is something given to us, created in Christ Jesus. For good works. It means that God is all, we are always work in progress. When you are work in progress, what you were before, you are always being improved by God every day. As you, that's why Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 8. He says that, and as we behold his face, we behold his glory, we are transformed into his image. So it's only when we are not beholding his face. That's why we, we urge people to do quiet time. That's why we come to church. That's why we worship. That's why we pray. That's why we sing before the Lord. As we behold his face on a continuous basis, we are transformed, we behold, because the beauty is there, we are only polishing it. Are you getting it? So we are moved by the beauty that is inside, making manifest the beauty. Is there? Naturally, God has made you beautiful. God has made you handsome. My, my, my being handsome it's not because I have put on pawns. When you go to the TV studios, they put artificial beauty on you. When you are going to take pictures for, forgive me, Mr. and Mrs., pictures for weddings, engagements, they put it three layers. When you are going to sleep, you have to wash it all. Then the reality begins to set in. Anna, amen. So all those pictures you see on, on Bella Niger, they are not real. With their round, round face, round, 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 round. They look too, they are too good to be true. When you want to see the beauty, in the, it's in the night you see the real beauty. Are you with me? Amen. All the things there, they are all artificial. For uh, everything. I think a few months ago they used to show this Pass around some picture of a, a, a bride who went and after the, the night when the person killed the man, walked out, ran away. Because at, after removing everything, they found out everything was artificial. From the hands to the face to the head to everything was artificial. There was no natural beauty one. That is why we must glorify the godly beauty inside. Amen. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For good works. The capacity to, 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 to do good works is part of the, the, it's in your DNA. It's in my DNA. And as I avail myself, as I behold his face, as I connect to him, the source, you see, we are his workmen, means he is working on me. I cannot slip out of his hands. When you slip out of his hands, then you have a problem. But when you stay in the hands of the Lord, you are work in progress. Your beauty is determined by your hand, your maker. Why are Christian people sometimes depressed? Because sometimes they allow people, systems and society to define their beauty. People like to be defined by acceptable societal norms. And because of that, people, you will see, it, it, it's, it's, an, it is, it's an oddity. It's an abrasion for a woman or a man, child of God, to be depressed. Because they say, oh, 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 therefore. You know, 
when we were growing up, parents and family members, when they want to insult you, they insult you with your looks. Eh? The name says stamp. Say full stop. Nutiti, I say full stop. Nutiti, I say full stop. Things like, which is it's not you're doing. And you two, you're, you're so down. You're so worried. They say, you're as short as a full stop. So you're so worried that they said, I'm short like full stop. You're short like, that, that, that's, that's nothing. But in the spirit, as you are the God's workmanship, you are beautiful. For he makes all things beautiful in his time. You are creation of God. You are wonderfully made, fearfully and wonderfully made. In his image, did he make you? But you can't accept it. You prefer to hear an auntie or uh, somebody who hates your parent telling you that you are good for nothing. When he put a top IQ in you, they say, oh, you are a useless person. Or you're hopeless. It's one of the expressions that we used to hear around our homes. Oh, you're hopeless. Oh, you're hopeless. Aquano, you're hopeless. And we bought into some of these things. If the Christ hadn't come into our lives to make you understand that you have higher IQ, you will just go down in depression. You will sink. So what moves you? Ask your neighbor again, what moves you? Because you are his workmanship, even if they think you are not yet there, you know that he is still, I'm still work in progress. God has not finished with me yet. I am, where, what you are seeing is just the beginning. The building of me, myself, as I stand, not physically, but in character, in form, in nature, in shape, and all, the best is yet to come. Tell your neighbor, the best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything yet. Amen. Citizenship. You know why you your status and citizenship is something that worries a lot of people. And so I remember years ago when I was a student, I think one of these uh, Caribbean musicians, um, Peter Tosh, made a song. He says, no matter who you are, where you come from, once you are a black person, you are an African. Because they were having problems. People were thinking, oh, me, I'm light-skinned African. I'm so so and so I'm mulatto African. And in, in our part of the world, people feel superior. And also, you see a Ghanaian, especially our friends, sorry, forgive me if you are from London or, or Britain, America. Most people who live abroad, they think everybody here is just so stupid. Most Ghanaians, most Nigerians who live, when they meet you, they just wonder how you are even able to, oh, Nagana, they say, and Ghana, and Timoho, and Ghana, or Jack Rome. Derogatory expressions. That try to make you like, because you are a citizen of Africa or you live in Africa, it's like you are inferior. No, I'm not inferior. Because I'm not a citizen of Ghana. My primary citizenship, the scripture says, our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. My, and, and there, there are many Americans who don't qualify. There are many British people who don't qualify, including heads of states. In all over Europe, many of them, they don't qualify. And you've got to be very proud of your citizenship. If they are proud of their Dutch passport, and their American passport, and their British passport, and all the and people are selling, people are insulting other people, and you go to the embassies and queue for hours, 
for an American visa, five years. You stand for days. You fill forms, two, three days. You show all your bank statements. Still, they don't want to show you the way because they feel more important. Yet, you are a citizen of the most important state in the world. And because we are not conscious of that, our natural, where we are born, who gave back to us our citizenship, we are citizens of heaven. We are born of God, so we are citizens of the kingdom. And our father has the key, runs the world. So I'm not moved. If you go to, if I go to an embassy, I don't get a visa. It, it's so small. It's insignificant. Oh, you, you had the privilege of the son or the child of the, the king of the world visiting you. You say you don't want to let him, you stay, take, take your country. One day my father is going to lock up the whole universe and all the keys. I'm going to be a, a, a state, a stakeholder. So this short time, this hot, I was in New York a few weeks ago. Mosquitoes were in the lift. In my country, heaven, there is no mosquito. In downtown New York, Manhattan, mosquitoes. If I'm lying, ask Sister Aggie, Agnes, I was with her. Agnes, Asha. Mosquitoes in New York. And they say, oh, uh, flies. Summertime, flies. Every day, there's somebody is dead. Every day, somebody, every day. Yesterday, in uh, is it um, Seattle, somewhere there, somebody went to steal a plane and crashed himself, killed himself. Young boy, 29 years. Every day, bad news. The country where you and I come from, we don't hear those things. No more sorrow, no more grief, no more pain. My brother, my sister, somebody made a song many years ago, say, don't worry, be happy. Why? Be happy that you are a citizen of God's kingdom. We are so obsessed with what the natural hereditary that oh my father is this, my mother is this. That name it becomes look, do you notice that many times even so-called great people, when they die in this world, in two, three generations, you see their names get lost. Gone are the days when you were born in Accra, you are called uh, names like uh, uh, all the names, Banaman, this and uh, Lutrot and, and Soya and all those things. You were, you were walking tiptoeing. Today, go and see many of them. It means nothing. It means nothing after two, three generations. So even the names and the, the, the things that they entitle you to in terms of benefits. Once upon a time, when I was in secondary school, the head of state at the time, his son was in our primary school and he also came to secondary school to join us. One day in the secondary school, they sacked him. He, within an hour or two, he came to the headmaster's office with a pistol. Right? Head of state, son. And he was rolling the pistols like that. In front of the headmaster. Yes, today, many years after, the name is insignificant. They used to have parties at Pediasi Lodge. Students' party. When they have their birthdays, they have their parties at Pediasi Lodge. And people used to envy them. They are enjoying. They are enjoying. They are enjoying. But today, where are they? Where are they? 
So that's why the scripture says, don't be envious of evildoers, for they shall soon what be cut down like the head. What moves you? When we come to our environment as children of God, many of us are so moved. This one went to that place, been through that, has that degree, has that qualification, that one doesn't have, and I don't have, and I'm struggling, and I don't have that, and I don't want, and all this. This one lives here, I don't live here. And this one has been there, and, and we are three brothers, and they took two, and they left me. And we are three sisters, and when they even shared it, and when our father died, and the way they did the land, and the house, they shared it, and they shared that, and I didn't get it, and I didn't get that. Environmental issues. Things that pass with the use. Go and see Qatar. People's policies have been taken by the sea. Read a bit of archaeology and you see kingdoms that have been buried under the ground. Every day archaeologists are discovering new cities. Buried under the ground. What is your environment when it matches? How does it match to the environment that God provides in Christ? Amen. Let's begin to treasure our church family. Let's look at Galatians 6.10. It says, do good to all people, especially them of the household of faith. This is your main, your primary environment, child of God. If you have to be moved, be moved by your primary environment, the household of faith. Those of you who say, oh, Christians have disappointed us so much. So, me, I don't have anything. I've decided that I'd rather employ unbelievers. Continue. Because you err because you don't know the scriptures. The worst believer is better than the best unbeliever. I said the worst believer is better than the best unbeliever. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus said that from the time of John the from the time of, of, of the old up to the, the, John the Baptist, the whole world, John the Baptist was the best. But the least in the kingdom. Is better. The environment. The household of faith. The, the school. The, I, I know that we treasure all of this education. and I'm, 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 I'm really for education. But I, I, we have to be careful not to be obsessed. You apply to a school A, school B. See, sometimes people, especially the teenagers, you get, you get so crazy. I couldn't get this one. And, and you know, BEC results will be coming soon. And you see, parents are desperate. And it's like, that's the end of the world. My world has to crash. Last Wednesday, I was talking to you about the, the, my little inquiry I did about the Ivy Leagues. In all these schools that were started by eight, the eight Ivy League schools, four of them were started by the Calvinists, Harvard, Yale, and others. The and then two, uh, one or two by, by the um, uh, what do you call, Anglican Church and then the Methodist. I think Princeton is also a, a Presbyterian school. And they said that only Cornell of all the eight is non-religious. Uh, uh, but today, all of them, what do they represent? Where is the godliness even there? Amen. 
The point I'm making is that, yes, we need to, the environment helps to form us. But there is a better environment that we are entitled to. In terms of building up, you, you haven't finished, you haven't, you, 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 your daily guide, your daily power, Bible basic Sunday school, you are not committed to the school of the word in the kingdom. And yet we can be so obsessed. We will pay anything. But as some of us, we are sitting, even Bible, we don't, we, we don't invest in our own Bible. Because we don't have the treasure, we don't treasure the word. What the Bible says, it's more precious than silver and gold. All our environment that matters to us is the environment that we can see with our eyes. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. The environment we see, it will pass. The credentials we gain, it will pass. We only use them whilst we are here. Say amen. Treasure. The priesthood. is part of the environment we are growing in. You know, we are, we say, we have God, first Peter 2, 9 says that we are a royal priesthood. One of the reasons why many times we falter is that we are not conscious that we are part of a priesthood. Now, when you say a priesthood, it means that we have an ecclesiastical order. Group of us. It's not only the pastors who are ecclesiastical, who are, who are priests. You, the laity. That's what John Wesley was, uh, was teaching. The laity. We are all part of the priesthood. All of us. And, 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 and it means that we need to see ourselves as such. That, hey, I'm a priest of God. God depends on me. Now, what does a priest do? According to Hebrews 5, Say, God called us so that we may perform certain rites, rituals before God. And he says that knowing that we ourselves, we are feeble or we, we, we stand, we have possible weakness. We also come before God with the weakness of the people. Hallelujah. And he says nobody puts this upon himself. It means God, you are born into the priesthood, whether you like it or not. You have been born a priest, a woman, a man, whatever you are. Teenager or adult, you are. And you see, unless we are conscious of this, we are not moved by it. That is why in our setting up of priorities, for many of us, it's not material. Our environment is a priestly environment. And you see, called, let's look at that. To show, it says, an holy nation. That's the environment. A peculiar people. So when people think we are odd or we are queer, it shouldn't be anything strange. But many of us, we like to be politically correct all the time. We like to be accepted by men. That's why we are not able to show forth. Because if we are, we are not peculiar, we can't show forth the praises. If we are not seen to be unique or strange in a certain way, we can't show forth. And some of the problems we had with the financial institutions that have had their problems, that comes from this. Everybody wants to be socially correct. We all want to be politically correct. We don't want to be seen to be odd. So because of that, we then compromise things. And before we realize, we are in trouble. May God help us. Amen. Beloved, the last area of our situations which affect us, we live by faith. In the natural, we live 
by money. If we have money, we are happy. In the natural, we live, we, we show great, uh, grace when things are working well for us. But we, in this kingdom, we are not people who are easily moved by what is working well, so-called. We, the, just the scripture says, shall live by faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7. Another thing that many of us cause us to err is that we tend, when we are going through tribulations, the situations that we face, because we are, our spirits are not able to imagine or, or capture the benefits. You know, the scripture we started with in Acts chapter 20, verse 23, 24, we said that Paul said, I am going through all, all afflictions are awaiting me. He said, but none of these things move me. The environment, the situation that he found himself in, and the oppression didn't affect him. Why? Because the answer is in 2 Corinthians 4.17. Give us that one, then we wind up as we pray. The answer is in 2 Corinthians 4.17. 2 Corinthians 4. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. So now he's looking at the environment or the situation of the believer. So even though he was being tormented and all, he saw it as light. He didn't glorify it. Compared to, it's for a moment. Whether it was for 10 years, 20 years, some of us say, I've been waiting for a husband for 20 years and if I'm not getting it, I've stopped serving God. If I can't get a husband, by this time. This year, so for, I told God, if this is my problem that I have, God doesn't meet me, then I mean, I know that God doesn't exist. You have, you cannot define God. For you, your situation, interpretation of your situation must not be done as the world. We interpret it according to the spiritual calendar. It says, for our light affliction. Affliction is it light. When you haven't done anything, they are, they are punishing you and they are taking you through. It's not light. But because the apostle had a vision, an understanding of this. Says, but for a moment, when I've been through, I've been waiting for a husband, I'm 35, I'm 40. I'm waiting for a child, I'm so, so, and so, I'm so, so, and so. I'm waiting for this breakthrough and this oppressive boss of my life to leave me. And I've been waiting. I'm waiting for this breakthrough for this number of years. I'm not getting it. And you say it's for a light affliction. It's for a moment. And I've been in this situation for 10 years. And I've been in this situation for 20 years. Should I not react? Should I not move? I'm in this marriage which doesn't work. Which doesn't seem to work. Mami Osofo. It doesn't, it's just some way. Should I not move on? Amen. I'm in this situation which the way it is, I have to do something. Osofo. Let me do something. One of my friends at the university used to say, Osofo, this one, I'll do, then I'll confess. Lord have mercy. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, as we consider these things, that we are immovable, unshakable, always abounding in the love of God, as Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, there are three, four things I'll just quickly mention that we should stay on to. Number one, godly doctrine. No matter what you're going through, stand firm in Christ-centered God, 
godly doctrine. Don't change your view of Christ. Let make Jesus central to whatever you do. Amen. Number two. Godly values. The scripture says, we just read it in the first service, Reverend Dennis raised it earlier. In, in Revelations 22, he said, 11 I think. So he that is righteous, let him be righteous. Any godly value you have, don't stick, don't, don't, don't change it. Like if you are good, if you are faith, if you are steadfast, if you are loving, be, be steadfast. Love the values. Don't be moved from there. There are godly relationships. Some of us so easily. You have people who have raised you, people who have helped you in the kingdom. Somebody, and one little friction, one little problem, and then you, 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 you ask the Americans, you snap. And that's it for life. You are gone. And all the good has been forgotten. Oh, godly relationship. Treasure it, even if you are, you are upset for a moment. Get back. The Bible says, the Bible says, the wife of your youth. Don't forsake the wife of your youth. It's a godly relationship around them. Don't change it. Don't just say, oh, because he has done that to me, or she has done, I'm finished with him. One man of God, years ago, had a problem with one of his associates. And he said, I'll finish him off. <laughs> I'll finish him off. You can't finish people off like that. It's not good. <laughs> Amen. Beloved, above all, let us be people of the word and of the spirit. The word will never change. The spirit will never change. Amen. Remain unshakable. We are hearing all the negative news around. But be steadfast. Don't be moved. Don't say, oh, this man of God or this brother has done that or this church has done that. So, me too. No. Be unshakable. Be immovable. Always abounding. In the love of the Lord. Be steadfast in the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Anything which seeks to try to move in your life. Tell God. Any godly thing that you hold. Hold on firm. And anything which is trying to move you. Resist it. In the name of Jesus. Tell the Lord. Lord grant me grace to resist the thing. You know, that situations we find ourselves in. That environments we find that you, you Don't let your prayer be that, Lord, remove this thing. No, no, don't. Just say, Lord, grant me grace to pass through this. And the Lord will give you the grace. Hold on to Christ-centered doctrine. Don't leave Jesus. No matter how people think, or whatever you are going through, hold on. He is faithful. He has begun a good work in you. You finish it. The values you hold on to. People may tease you. They will laugh at you. That you are old school. Hold on. The relationships. People, especially those who have helped you when you, you were nobody. Oh, don't abandon. Don't, don't, don't throw them out because they suggested something to you which you don't agree with. Hold on. Endure them. Endure them, especially when it comes to parents and churches and pastors and people that have contributed. Don't, don't just throw away their counsel. Remove not the ancient landmarks. 
God put them in your life for a purpose. Soften up your heart and let God speak to you. You are God's image. You are God's child. Faithful is he who has called you and he will finish it. Father, I thank you that you have granted us a heart to remain steadfast, unshakable, immovable. I pray that each one of us will remain vibrant and even more vibrant as your day draws closer. We will not be affected by the things we see and we hear. In Jesus' name, Amen.